This is Passing Judgment, a podcast about the law and how it affects you. I'm your host, Loyola Law School professor Jessica Levinson. Think of me as your personal law professor as we navigate the big legal questions of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers. Hey, everybody, it's Jessica. Today, I want to spend a little time talking to you about the fallout from the Dobbs decision. That's the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. And the next big Supreme Court case dealing with abortion rights that the court is going to hear in April and will make a decision on in late June, likely, of this year. So if you want to learn more, I do have a column up on msnbc.com. But what I want you to know is that the Supreme Court's next foray into the legality of state laws that criminalize abortions is really going to force the Supreme Court to wrestle with, I believe, a fundamental question. Are pregnant women entitled to the full protection of the law? Women, of course, used to be second-class citizens. We were deprived not just of the right to vote, but until very recently of the right to do basic things like open bank accounts. This is surprising to a lot of people, but it wasn't until 1993 that we reached the point where every state in the nation actually outlawed spousal rape. So now here we are. It's less than two years after the Supreme Court stripped abortion rights out of the U.S. Constitution. And the Supreme Court, again, could, in my view, put women's ability to obtain medical care at additional risk. So this time, the court's going to address questions dealing with very restrictive state abortion laws. And it's going to focus on a federal law that entitles all people to emergency medical care, regardless of their ability to pay for that care. And I'll get into more details as we go through the cases. The specific legal question for the justices is whether under this federal law, pregnant women who face true medical emergencies can obtain abortions even in states that would otherwise outlaw abortions. And this particular issue is playing out right now in both Idaho and Texas. Both of those states have laws that say abortions can only be performed to save a pregnant person's life. And in the view of the Biden administration and others, those laws conflict with the federal law that I mentioned that in general says to hospitals, you have to provide emergency medical care even when there's a non-fatal threat to a person's health. So this means that in Idaho and in Texas, providers can't provide abortions. This is the law right now in Idaho and in Texas. Providers can't provide abortions, even if the procedure might preserve a woman's ability to, for instance, avoid a high risk of a stroke or a coma or a limb amputation or preserve her fertility. An abortion can only be performed in those states if it's necessary to stop her from dying. So as I said, we have this federal law that says a person is entitled to emergency medical care if it will, quote, stabilize them. But we have a situation where at least two states, Idaho and Texas, they won't heed that law. And the question before the Supreme Court is really, will they have to? Now, for now, the Supreme Court has allowed Idaho, and by virtue of that, really Texas, to keep the law in place 
as it considers the federal government's challenge to the state law. I think really what this has shown us is that, again, a woman's right to medical care is shaky. It shouldn't be assumed. And it's worth noting that we're here at this, in my view, somewhat remarkable legal crossroads because of the impact of the new makeup of the federal judiciary, by which I mean President Donald Trump's judicial appointments and the effect that they have had on abortion laws. Now, you already know that President Trump's remaking of the Supreme Court and his ability to appoint three of the nine justices paved the way for the court to overturn Roe v. Wade. But what's becoming clear is the impact that the lower court judges, those judges that President Trump appointed for the district court and the court of appeals, the impact that they are also having on abortion rights. The laws in Idaho and Texas that I've been talking about, these near outright bans on abortions, they've largely been able to continue to exist because of decisions that were made by lower court judges appointed by the former president. Now, what's ironic here is that the Supreme Court said in its Dobbs decision, again, that decision that overturned Roe v. Wade, that that decision would allow it to basically get out of the business of policing abortion laws. But here we are again, and of course, the reality is far from the Supreme Court's hope that it could continue to avoid these questions. So let's get into the specifics of this lawsuit. President Joe Biden's administration is challenging that very, very restrictive law in Idaho on the grounds that it conflicts with a decades-old federal law that I've mentioned before. That's the Emergency Medical Treatment and Labor Act. And that requires that people be provided with medical treatment in emergency rooms if they face a significant threat to their health, not just if they're at death's door. Now, shortly after the Dobbs decision, the Biden administration issued guidance on the federal law, and they said this covers pregnant women who require abortions as, quote, stabilizing treatment. Now, according to the Biden administration and others, this means that the federal law requires certain hospitals to allow women to have abortions when that's the procedure, that's the treatment that is needed to stabilize the patient. Idaho has argued that that federal law actually infringes on its state sovereignty and that the state should be able to make decisions about health, safety, and welfare, and that includes access to abortion. Idaho has also argued here that because the federal law doesn't specifically state that doctors are required to perform abortions, that there is in fact no conflict with its state laws and that its state laws should be able to stand. As I said, a almost identical legal battle is currently playing out in Texas. The Supreme Court has, as I also mentioned, allowed Idaho and Texas's law to remain in effect while we wait for them to hear this case and to make a decision. So where does this leave us right now? For now, pregnant women in Idaho and Texas who face serious threats to their health, including things like sepsis, preeclampsia, placental abruption, they have few options. They have to hope that they can find a way to travel out of state to obtain care. And that would, of course, be better than hoping that their conditions deteriorate so much that it would be clear that they are, in fact, at death's door, at which point they would be entitled to treatment. So 
This is where we currently are. I hope this helps explain the next big abortion case that the Supreme Court is going to hear. They are also, of course, considering the mifepristone case that deals with the ability of women to obtain mifepristone, one of the two abortion pills that is used in more than 50% of abortions in our country. So as always, please rate, review, and subscribe. We have a lot of great interviews coming up for you very soon in the next episodes of Passing Judgment. Passing Judgment.